Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Scott Mulvaney, the host and chief intrepid officer of Live the Fuel. And you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 176 of Chasing Dreams. Guys, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for your support. Beginning January 2019, as a thank you, Patreon supporters will have exclusive initial access to a bonus video conversation with our guests. Even donating a dollar an episode goes a long way. For more information on our Patreon campaign and or if you'd like to donate to help keep the show going, please visit amyj21.com slash Patreon. Guys, we have officially crossed 175 episodes, and this is episode 176, which means we are one step closer to episode 200. That is amazing. Oh, man, I, I'm just so stoked. Honestly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're listening to this episode, it is all thanks to you. And thanks to all my wonderful guests, guests like my buddy Scott, who is here today. Scott Mulvaney channels his health nut adrenaline junkie energy into everything he influences. That same energy is heard on his Live the Fuel podcast show to fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. He focuses on sales and marketing growth, brand strategy, coaching, and consulting solutions to help you control how you exist online. And there is very few people, I would say, who are as passionate as Scott is about living your best life. And he is awesome. He's great. And I'm so glad our schedule is finally aligned for us to get him onto the show. So without further ado, guys, check it out. Hey, Scott, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be on. I am excited because we finally got you on, to be honest. We've been talking (laughs) about this for a few years and life circumstance. We just haven't been able to align till now. Well, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason when it's supposed to happen. So nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And Scott, uh, we met as with other podcasters. He has a podcast um, at MapCon. And the thing that intrigued me about you, Scott, was you were high energy. Sometimes. You were high energy (laughs) when I met you. Okay. I, I mean, to the point of this man is happy. This man is living his life well. And that just really resonated with me because oftentimes you see people and they just seem miserable or they seem like they're just going through the motions. And I did not get that impression from you at all. And it made me happy because I'm like, there's a guy who's chasing his dreams. That's what I thought. Well, you know, I think uh, we all have a choice, right? So I learned that from coaches years ago or, or mentors and even my father, right? It's like, okay, guys, life... <laughs> 
I might look like I'm fired up all the time. I have fire in my logo. Right. But mm-hmm. in the end, it's like, guys, like I'm still human. I still have bad days too, but you have a choice how you show up. So I think we talked, I even talked about it on stage at MapCon. Like guys, like what is the energy you're putting out to the world? Because if you're putting negative energy out, you're going to attract negative energy, whether or not you want to attribute this to the secret to the law of attraction or whatever practice you want to study. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to go to a conference and I want people to want to talk to me and connect with me, I feel like I should put a lot of positive energy out there. Well, yeah, success, <laughs> success. You totally did. And, and that's one of the reasons I also wanted you on the show because you also um, shared it at the first MapCon, your background, which is an interesting one, but before we'll, we'll get to that. But before we get to that, I want to go back to young Scott. <laughs> what did young Scott want to be when he grew up? So you know, it's hard for me to, I don't, people ask me that now and I, it's hard for me to remember. I don't know if I actually remember did you uh, have, because I mean, it's fair to say you didn't No. Is that, is that unusual? I mean, some people don't remember. No. Okay. Cause I don't think I remember. I, I've, I've really tried remembering. Uh-huh. And I mean, I was a farm kid. I just worked a lot. <laughs> so it was, I mean, yeah, there was probably a little bit of that, you see what other kids are doing yeah. and, and you know, I didn't grow up around vacations. Like my parents didn't like ever take a honeymoon. Like it was just, they had the farm and the business and that was it. So I was surrounded by work. <laughs> so I just dove in on everything. I kind of still have that to this day. I just kind of just dive in on a lot of well, things. Well, you do have a work ethic. Absolutely. But yeah. you, you worked on the farm, you lived the farm, but you didn't stay on the farm. Like, no. was, that, was that intentional? No. Well, I mean, I've always been surrounded by animals. Like, I don't know if you can hear it today, but Calvin, our coonhound, is in, is in the other part of the house. And uh, I grew up in farming and I love animals, obviously. I used to, by the way, real quick side note, on podcasting, I used to freak out if Calvin would bark in the house. And then I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. I've been podcasting for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You can never, if a dog wants to bark, he's going to bark. So like, why do I even hide it? Because I love Calvin and he's our coonhound. And why would I care about hiding that? So I just had to throw that in real quick in case he happens to show up on the microphone today. No, that's and, okay. Well, and, and, and Calvin survived cancer and, and over the past two months. And we're really oh. happy to still have him. So quick Let him bark. Time. I think exactly. he's earned it. The fact that he's barking again. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's earned it. Yeah, he's definitely earned it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we, we had a dairy farm in New Jersey and that's where I was born in Hunterdon County, Flemington near Clinton, New Jersey, central Jersey. And my dad wanted us to continue growing up around that world, but he, 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 they left that farm when I was really young. So when we eventually moved to Pennsylvania, he made sure he found another small farm and it wasn't like a production farm, but he wanted us to grow up raising animals and, sure. and learning how to work hard. So like I had, I mean, I, my first side business was I was selling eggs on the side of the road. I had like 20, 30 laying hens in a chicken coop. <laughs> so, and, and FYI, I mean, I'm literally, I'm actually in that same Lehigh Valley area today. I've lived in other parts of the country, but, uh, over the years, but I'm an hour and a half from New York city and an hour North of Philly. And that was my childhood. So <laughs> that's, that's amazing that you still, so you still carried that in, even if it's not what you're pursuing full time. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting because some people think, you know, if I'm not going to do it, I can't do, they cut it off entirely. You know, I, I will, be, I will admit when I was getting older, I, because my father and my younger brother still to this day work in that sector, in that industry, right? So sure. they, they're, they are brokers for organic cattle. So they, 
buy and sell and transport and they could go to markets, they can go to slaughterhouses, whatever. And their businesses are based in central Pennsylvania. So they have a huge market out there. They're surrounded by the Amish and Mennonite lifestyles and there's a lot of farms. So I just wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something different. And that's what got me into uh, geeking out about technology and and getting into the technical space. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to go to college. And then I saw friends of mine from my high school jobs, you know, going to school and had dreams and it just started opening up other doors that I didn't have, you know, on the farm. <laughs> right. Right. So what made you go to college then if you didn't think you would go to college? Well, uh, I, I mean, I think they still have these options this day, depending on what schools you go to. But uh, I, some kids at my school were going college prep. I, didn't think I would go to college. So I went tech school. So I was studying microelectronics technology. Like a at a, at school? A exactly. Okay. Which by the way, real quick, I really think they need to bring that stuff back in more popularity because there's so many people paying thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars to go to college and they don't have a clue what they're going to do. So, um, I at least technically I'm still a geek and I can still wire like a madman. Uh, and I used to work on circuit boards and everything else when I was you know 16 years old. So, it was, it's cool to be able to talk about that to this day. Uh, so that opened up some doors and I saw, I saw the opportunity to go to school when I finished that program, like six months ahead of schedule my senior year. And they had a, uh, kind of like an intern thing. They called it a job co-op, but I got to go work for an actual company. So I'd go to school in the morning at my high school. Uh And then instead of going to the Votech, I went to a company and worked. And I got to work in an electronics lab and help build a lab at wow. 17 years old. <laughs> so wow. I was like, I was like, okay, that opened some different doors. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I started learning about tuition reimbursement and everything else. I'm like, oh, maybe I could do this. Right. Um, so I didn't go right to a university. I ended up going to a community college. And that at least started getting me used to like, okay, I mean, I never really did enjoy school, let's be honest. And, but I was like, okay, well, if I want a different future for myself, I got to sometimes put up with the suck. So I was taking classes, but I was paying my own way through school. Uh, That company, that was my first, actually, that was my first opportunity to learn how companies can really stick it to you. Uh, Because I built that lab. And then that summer, they let me go because I was just a high school kid who just finished high school. Wow. And they hired an adult to run the lab. And I'm like, but I built it. <laughs> like, Who you knows it better me. than you? Yeah. I was like, you had me build your lab and I already know everything in the lab. And, but you're going to hire some guy more experienced. Okay. So anyway, so the, the dreams of tuition reimbursement kind of fell out the window, but I didn't give up. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll pay my own way. So I was working full time and then going to school full time and trying to figure that out. And I was going to major in engineering like some of my buddies were at Penn State. So I started the community college, transferred to Penn State, still trying to pay full time, work full time. Wow. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't know what I'm doing. And I took time off and just worked for the company that I was working for and worked my way up in that company and started traveling. And, and for years, that was fine. I didn't go back to school until... Ooh, I'd say my mid twenties and I eventually did finish a degree, which by the way, i on the video, I finally framed it like three <laughs> days ago. Like I was going through files and I'm like, Oh yeah, this whole, you know, bachelor's of science. I should probably frame this thing. <laughs> What'd you end up which, uh, getting the degree in? Uh, marketing and psychology. That's a promote. So talk about changing hats throughout your life, right? Yeah. You change your career, you change your job titles. Well, I was an engineer, mechanical engineer, possibly going to go to electrical engineering. And then I saw the course load. I'm like, no. And then after years working in the business world and the corporate world, I was like, oh, 
if I can go, I actually considered going to ISIT. So I started taking classes at that. Then it just didn't feel that. So I, was, I kept feeling it and just flowing. And then I eventually said, wait a minute, if I go marketing, that could apply to anything. So I saw the diversification potential of that. And sure. I went with that. So, and then I took a couple of psych classes and I kept acing them. So I was like, Ooh, that'll help the GPA. Let me just keep going with psych. <laughs> so <laughs> I was basically flowing like a dual major until I was like 29 or 30. And my, my guidance person, whatever, she's like, well, you're doing accelerate. I'm taking accelerated classes as an adult student by mind you. So I'm like, I'm going, I'm, I'm still working. Right. That's what I do. And I'm taking classes on nights and weekends. So and I was like, okay, because I want to be the first person in my family to have a degree. And I, I already have a great resume. And everybody says, oh, you're supposed to have the degree to help reinforce the resume. So I'm doing all that. Right. And yeah. And then my person's like, well, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just taking the classes and passing. You know, what do you want? <laughs> oh, like, you know? And she's like, what are you going to do with this? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. <laughs> so and she's like, well, are you? You, you don't seem as happy as you were when you first started coming here. I'm like, well, no, I'm kind of burned out. Uh, like I'm kind I don't of over know why. You know? And she's like, well, then why don't you just graduate? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you've been done. I'm like, what do you mean been done? And she's like, well, if you want to try and get this dual major, yes, you have to keep going to get the psych. But she's like, we don't issue you two degrees. She's like, You're, it's going to be the same bachelor's of science. The only difference is... Like it doesn't even say marketing on the degree. It just says bachelor's of science. I, if you look at the credentials at the school, yes, I have a bachelor's of science from a major institution, sure, major university, um, in, in marketing. So she's like, she's like, unless you plan on going PhD on your psych, having a dual major really doesn't isn't going to get you any differently. I was like, oh, cool, done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm out. I'm tired of paying you thousands of dollars. Yeah. So outside the finan- outside of the financial um, obligation, do you regret having gone through those courses that you ended up changing? Man, you just like to hit hard, don't you? Uh, <laughs> that's why I love you, Amy J. You, you don't um, need the softballs, man. No, I don't. You don't I need do. softballs. Yeah. Um, I still have a tug of war when I explain that depending on the show I'm on or depending on the person that's on my show, if it comes up, I'm a 50, 50 to this day. I say, you know what? Education does have its place. Like my fiance said, is a veterinary doctor for large animals. She's a chiropractic doctor for animals. I'm like, okay, that works. I'm a sales and marketing professional. What they taught me in school, I don't use. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I had to self learn everything. I go to conferences. I, I study. Like I'm always learning things. I'm keeping up with this. So the one thing I will say is for the traditional institutional environment, it teaches you the ability to commit, follow programming and structure, and and get through. You know, and then obviously have the positive positivity knowing that you completed sure. something. So I don't want to take that away. But admittedly, in my entrepreneurial space now, I'm like, no, um, everything is me. Yeah. It's not from them. But I will also uh, give a testament to the psychology. Thanks to the science of psychology that I studied, that I still use to this day. I'm a passionate about psych. I love understanding mindset. That's why I'm such a fired up positivity person, right? Like the psych mm-hmm. left a longer standing impact on me than I realized thanks to I never would have studied psych if I hadn't gone to school. Yeah. And if it wasn't so, part of the traditional routine that they asked you to do. Yeah. And I accidentally fell into it because I actually took some philosophy course 
and then a psych course the next session because they both somehow wrapped into the marketing curriculum that I was following. Oh. And I was like, Ooh, like I actually almost added philosophy, but then I crushed psych and it really just snapped in my head. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to keep going with that and see where it goes. So yeah, I would never have stumbled into that if I had at least gone. Well, I'm sure you use it too. Like I'm sure you're learning also with the people you meet, not just in an occupational capacity, but just guests on your show, people who are at looking for guidance, you know, mm -hmm. all of those things. I'm sure you're using psych and marketing. Oh, God, they're so intertwined. Right. They're understanding consumer behavior, B2B behavior, uh, just being able to communicate better from human to human. It, it applies to the podcasting. Like it's yeah. it's being able to actually know what's happening within the mind even if I didn't have PhD it, it's still more than I knew before going to that curriculum. So, yeah. yeah. But you've also, along your journey to today, had an interesting stop as a firefighter. <laughs> yes, I did. So, was that right, a right after finishing that degree? Yeah. <laughs> so, why? I, I think it's, uh, you know, props to you, thankful for your service because, you know, you really do help. As a firefighter, you guys are first ones in. It's amazing. But what made you go down that road? A uh, number of things. Uh, it, well, obviously, to start it, it was because of a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people are like, what? Oh, like, you, you chose to become a firefighter because of a girl? I'm like, well, no. I mean, yes and no. Uh, so it's 50 while, 50 on it. <laughs> while I was finishing my courses, I had met a girl. And she wasn't from the East Coast here. She was from Nevada. And I briefly got to date her only for a few months, but I've never met a West Coast, like just total chill chick, man. Like just laid back. The West Coast folks. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. You're not, you're not psychotically driven by money or anything else. Like, what is this? Who are you? And it's funny because her name was Shasta. And there's a mountain in California named Shasta. And her sister's name is Denali, which is a mountain in Alaska. So I'm like, so clearly your parents were hippies. So I'm like, you, <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're both named after mountains. Anyway, so long story short, a few months of fun. Um, and then she's like, hey, I'm moving home. I'm going to go become a hotshot. And I'm like, uh, like, she just said it like it was supposed to be normal. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, look at she's my face. Like, yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, like wildland firefighter. I'm like, uh, okay, again, what? And because the like East coast, Northeast, we have a lot of humidity up here. We have a lot of moisture. Yeah. We don't have high risk of wildfires like central and Western United States of America. Sure enough. And, and other countries like Canada has a problem. Uh, Australia has that problem. Germany has that problem. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to know what the heck this is. I was mm -hmm. like, why? And she said, well, because you can make a lot of money over a summer because you can't spend it because you're gone in the mountains all the time fighting wildfires. And when you're on a fire, you're getting paid double time and hazard pay and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she's an outdoorsy girl. I mean, and I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? And she's like, well, I want to make a lot of money that summer. And if I make enough and I'm smart with my money, I want to go to massage therapy school because she's, she was more of a healer. She loved making people feel better. Sure. And that's what she did. So, uh, I, that I, Long story short on that, I could not get that out of my head. So, so whenever I got stressed out or I was distracted at my job, I was Googling, you know, this is 2006, 2007. Right. You know, so it's probably 2007. So I was Googling it, man. I'm looking up 
wildfire, hot shot this, firefighting that, you know, U.S. Forest Service trying to figure all that stuff out. The program and everything. Oh, yeah. And I just said, oh, wait a minute. So then I, that a giant thing popped in my head. It was, what if? What if this is the next phase of your dream? What, is it, what if this is the next phase of your life's purpose? Maybe you're not supposed to go back to the cubicle life or the corporate world. You know, maybe not life isn't all about the salary. Right. And I was like, whoa, like mind blown. And that's what set me down that path. <laughs> and how and, long uh, were you a firefighter for? That was only two years. You say only, no. but I feel like that's within those two years. I'm sure it didn't feel like two years. No. Yeah. I mean, well, ju- just to get there, I while finishing my classes, I found a fire academy in Long Island, New York, that certified in wildland firefighting with the federal government. So I found that, set the, set the money aside. And then that December, so as I was finishing my degree, or sorry, that's September. So that last session, I'm supposed to be graduating at the end of December of 2009. Uh-huh. September, I find the fire academy and I go there. I take a week off and I go and I full immersion, do the academy, uh, finish top of my class on, on the phys ed training. Cause I'm a bit of an athlete and, uh, I, I impressed the instructor. Then the instructor's like, well, listen, if he's like at the end of the class, they have everybody in the course, raise your hand and say what you want to do. Right. And me and only one other dude said, I want to be a hotshot. <laughs> and he pulled me aside later. He's like, Scott, he's like, you have no firefighting background. At all. He's like, half the people in this room at least come from city firefighting or whatever. He's like, you know how hard it is for you to become a hotshot? He's like, you, he's like, it's going to be easier for me to become a type two wildland firefighter and then work your way up. And I'm like, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm all in. I need to become a hotshot. I was like, I want the hardest job. And he said, okay, well, if you're serious, and this was him and his wife were from Colorado. They were here running, running the program. He's like, all right. He's like, then in the spring or the winter, he said, there's another academy coming up in Greeley, Colorado, north of Denver. He's like, you know, buy access, come out there. He said, uh, you can crash with us. And he's like, uh, you can take some hotshot level classes that they normally train hotshots in, like, you know, I don't know, other stuff like fire science, weather behavior, all this other stuff to show your commitment. And maybe you can make some connections. And that's how I got the job because I went there and I helped him uh, burn slash piles in the mountains when I wasn't at class because that way I felt it was offsetting him letting me stay at his house. Sure. So I was out there for like two weeks. And, uh, and at the academy, he got me connected with one of the other instructors who was actually an interim superintendent of an Arizona-based hotshot crew known as the Pleasant Valley Hotshots. And we met over lunch. He's like, hey, so-and-so spoke highly of you. We're going to have an interview here at lunch. Long story short, I did well in the interview, even though I was considered the old guy because I'm already in my 30s and uh, and I got the job. So, Do you realize I, <laughs> that this is a TV movie? Well, now there is actually a movie now. So about, well, not about me, but I mean about hotshots. So. Well, but hotshots, but your story of how you got into hotshots, right? It's your <laughs> classic movie. That's um, why I'm writing a book. So. <laughs> you guys heard it here first, okay? So be on the lookout for that. Just... Oh, the book's done. I've been busy. <laughs> okay, let's we'll, we'll get to the book. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna get to the book. That's no, all right. It's it's not done, done, but I already wrote it. So so uh, so we'll, we'll get to the book. But after after that, you are doing marketing. You are doing mm-hmm. 
that. So interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> two years, two years serving as a hotshot while I'm firefighter, bouncing around the country, and then in my, you know, you you, you kill yourself for six months out of the summer. Mm-hmm. So basically, you do two thousand hours on average, like eighteen hundred to two thousand hours in a summer. Yeah, that's what a normal nine to fiver does in a year. You know, with two weeks of pay vacation, if you do eight hours a day, sure, do the math. That's two thousand. So my rookie year was eighteen hundred. My uh, my second my snooky year, second year rookie, uh, you, you, we did almost two thousand. And then you take the rest of the year off. You're laid off for half a year. And I traveled and did a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. That's oh, amazing. it's amazing. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. it's different. Life, life, life is supposed to be different. That's what I realized. Well, yeah, you have experiences as we're realizing and as you guys are learning, Scott does a lot of different things, uh, but (laughs) the beauty of it is he's always pursued something that he's happy about or he's wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what I got from you. Like you didn't do something just because someone said you needed to do it. No, because when I made that decision, like I had the IT company that I had recently worked for, my friend had founded it. He was like, he eventually a couple of years ago, sold it for millions. Mm-hmm. And if I was still there and I had all my stock options, I would have cashed out nicely. Uh, but he, he, uh, he's like, dude, he's like, you, you now have your degree. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah. And he said, well, now your resume looks great. I'm like, my resume looked great before. Why does a degree make it any different? Touche. Right. I, like, hey, I have a piece you. of paper. I'm with you on like, that. It, it doesn't change my work ethic. It doesn't change. Well, especially uh, because you re- had work experience before the degree after right. the before during and after yeah. the degree you know and the best part was the, the, for, for the firefighting world the superintendent was like you have a degree in marketing and psychology he's like i could care less about that <laughs> he's like your entire professional resume is all business i could care less about that right i hope you're ready to put your head down and dig in the dirt because he's like that's what your job is going to be <laughs> i was you like did bring it all man <laughs> so, so why did you come back to marketing I did not plan on that. I finished those two years. That was what I committed him to do. And I realized, oh, this is not what I meant to do the rest of my life. And I was excited by Colorado because I got to fight a fire in Colorado in 2010. And I was like, ooh, this is beautiful. And all the sports that I did in Pennsylvania are like amplified out here. Hiking, rock climbing, mountain biking, road biking, skiing. I was like, yes, I'm meant to be in Colorado. (laughs) So I moved there. And the job market was awful. Uh I mean, I still have a spreadsheet to this day on my computer, or it's probably on my Google Drive now. But I think I applied over 200 jobs in less than a year. Uh And I was doing interim work. At one point, I was doing contract work for an obstacle course racing company. And I would help run their races in Colorado. And then I drove their race equipment trailer to Boston. And I ran a race out there. And he was like, I was, I mean, maybe this one I'm supposed to do. I don't know. <laughs> so, You're just trying to figure it out. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then I, I and then um, fast forward the story, that huge hurricane Sandy hit the East Coast. Right. In two, what was that? 2012. Yeah. And so. I, I served fire 2010. Well, I basically finished a degree in 09. Firefighting 2010, firefighting 2011, moved to Colorado at the end of 11. Uh, and then 12, still living in Colorado. Then I came back. Because buddies of mine, I was still in between, you know, contract work. My fire buddies were laid off for the year. They were still serving. And like, hey, we got the equipment. We have the skills. Um, the hurricane slammed the East Coast. We've, we've never been to the East Coast. You know the East Coast. 
can we hire you to come out with us and we'll do contract work helping clear trees? Cause I'm like a surgeon with a chainsaw thanks to the forest service training. And I was like, cool. So I hopped in my Jeep. They drove from Arizona, met me in Colorado. We completed the convoy and then drove to the East coast and spent two months out here, back here in my home turf, right. Helping, helping, you know, make some money and, and clear people's trees because all these big tree companies were gouging people, just charging thousands of dollars. Uh, taking advantage of the situation. Sounds so it was easy right. for us to make cash. And because I have, I have past sales and marketing experience, I was helping them get the connections. We never once paid for a hotel. I had, I knew enough people who had big houses and places for us to crash, whatever it was. It was actually a pretty sweet, weird setup. And then uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, I know you're heading back to Colorado, but I'm starting a sales representation firm here and I could use your help. Because I used to do some short-term contract work here and there helping her before I moved west. Uh-huh. So I said, all right, well, if you put together a good offer, I'll come back. So I moved back to the East Coast because of my friend's company. And now she's my biggest client to this day. <laughs> <laughs> so back then I was her employee, but you know, then I switched. So, And you ended yeah. up sticking with it. Like yeah. It's funny how the, t- the wheels turned. You kept going through life. You kept doing these ex- other experiences, but it came back to marketing. It did. I mean, obviously that was heavily sales, but uh, when I started doing my own independent work, I was, I started really geeking on the marketing again, but from my own self-taught stuff, like I, it was weird. Like while I was firefighting, I would disappear for like a month and come back and just upload like 200 photos to Facebook. And everybody's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Like all of a sudden there's pictures, walls of fire on on my Facebook. And and there's pictures of me with a giant mountain man beard because I never had a beard in my life until firefighting. And people are like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> but then I'm seeing, then I start my, my, my business brain. I'm seeing how people are reacting and posts are performing differently. And yeah. And I never forgot about that until yeah. I moved back here. And then I started geeking out about social media marketing and branding. Yeah. Interesting, yes. huh? Well, it's interesting, but what I love is you still pursued what you were happy with. Like yeah. you didn't, you didn't constrain short. what people tell you. Well, so yeah. then let's talk about live the fuel. Mm-hmm. Why? Life is short. Why? So uh, eventually you reach a point where you know too much. And I became a voracious consumer of podcasts. I was still missing something. And actually shout out to Michael O'Neill, a solopreneur. I was listening to his show a lot back in the day. And I just something clicked. And I'm like, there's something else. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like I'm, I'm working for my friend's company and I'm helping to grow her company, but I need my thing. I need, I need my thing. So, and my, my marketing brain kicked in. I'm like, it's gotta be something cool. <laughs> I'm going to do and, it. Right. And so uh, a buddy of mine was like, dude, you already understand Facebook. Like, why don't you just launch a, a, a Facebook page? And I, I loved, I'm all about motivation, inspirations. He's, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start posting motivational posts and inspirational posts and just see where it goes to see how the, cause I needed an outlet for my passion and my right. energy. And Michael and I had a coaching session one time back in the day. And he's like, I started trying to figure out the brand. And then at one point he was out here in New York city at once some, uh, visiting friends. So I drove to New York city. He and I grabbed the martini together and we talked more and we're just hanging out. And I, I was like, what if one day I launched a podcast I was like, but I need a brand behind that. He's like, you don't have to, but he's like, it would help. And I said, okay. And then, so Live the Fuel came into fruition because I covered a wall 
with post-its and I put every keyword that meant something to me in my life on the wall. And then I just took my old corporate brain slash government brain because I thought only the corporate world had too many acronyms. Uh-huh. The government has just as many acronyms. <laughs> Everybody takes run for the money. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, so I was like, okay, what if I created my own acronym? And so long story short, one of the most inspirational quotes I always lived by, I carried it everywhere when I was fighting fire was an old Ernest Hemingway quote, live life to the fullest. Well, when I, once I, once I started combining all my words together, I came up with live the fired up epic life. Well, that's what live the fuel stands for. Fuel is an acronym. I believe in obviously my podcast to this day is we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. I'm a health and fitness nut. I was fueling people with inspiration and motivation. I was like, holy crap, like it the all biggest clicked. light bulb that just like exploded out of my head. I'm like, whoa, clicked. live the fuel. Right. <laughs> I mean, dude, the first logo was just like this flickering flame that I got off of like Fiverr or something, and I just slapped it on the page. And then obviously Right. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't proud of that. I needed to actually build the logo eventually. And you know, there's, a, I, I, actually, I, now that you and I are talking about this, I'm going to go back over all of my old variations and create a timeline <laughs> of the logos. Cause the early ones I was not proud of. You should do a flip book, but, like a flip yeah. book of it changing. But you know, little tweaks here and there, little yeah. tweaks here and there, you know, fast forward today, I've got hats and I've got, you know, logoed mugs and I've got, you know, decals. I mean, cause I'm, Thanks to firefighting and racing mountain bikes in Colorado, there's stickers for everything. Yeah. Uh, I've got a stainless steel cooler that I used to carry in my Jeep that's in my garage right now that I still use this day. And it's covered in stickers from every mountain bike race I did or firefighting crew logo I came across who had a sticker. Like I've always been a sticker geek. So well, and, a little- and you've kept up with that kind of thing. And now now we find out you're writing a book. Yeah, you know. Is that also because you... you I got bored. Yeah, there you go. All right. I was coming to that. Yeah, I was I, coming I, to that. People kept bringing up like like you. Like I have... Apparently, I have a really weird life history. So, and the wildland firefighting thing is apparently really weird. So, people are like, dude, why don't you write a book about that? And I actually always felt reserved or... I don't know. I felt guilty. Like I didn't want to, because there's been a lot of tragedy in the firefighting world. Sure. Especially the hotshots. Uh, there's now a movie about it called only the brave, but uh, brothers of mine from a nearby crew called the Granite mountain hotshots were killed in 2013. Mm. Uh, only one man was left alive because he was lucky enough to be in a lookout position and he was able to escape the wildfire. The other 19, including their superintendent was burned over in uh, Prescott outside of Prescott, Arizona. So sorry to they hear that. The, I didn't even know. Oh, it, was, it was the worst tragedy since nine 11. Um, uh, to this day, if I try and watch that movie, uh, you're, you're going to see this guy six foot four crossfitter, like burst into tears. And it, it, it was just, you know, 19 people burned over, man, yeah. 19 families left without fathers sure. and brothers. You know, it's crazy. So, and I'm like, Whoa, that could have been me. Yeah. Because the movie that came out called only the brave was set in 2011 when I served one of the fires in the movies called the horseshoe fire. We both of our crews were on the fire. <laughs> like we were on the same fire. So like the way they talk about it in the movie, I'm like, I was there. <laughs> so uh, obviously before the tragedy, so it was just crazy connections. And Eventually, I, I got out of my own way this past year, and I said, wait a minute. Um, I'm all about legacy. 
with this podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, this is all from putting in enough reps. You realize life is not about the money. The money will come. I can always make more money. I'm a sales and marketing professional. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I'll just go sell something. So I was like, what am I leaving behind? Mm-hmm. I mean, the podcast really helped open that up for me. But then I realized like, well, what if I am meant to author a book? And then here's the best part. What if I launch a book that I don't want to make money off of? And like publishers, if they hear that, would be like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, but like, you know, a year and a half, a year and a half ago, thanks to a big event that I go to every year out, out West called Thrive Make Money Matter. It's an entrepreneurial event teaching people how to make their money matter. I switched my company into a for-purpose business model. So I hard code a percentage of all gross income and it gets set aside into a bank account just for non-for-profit activities. Like I, I, I donate it. It goes to things. I get to help create change in the world. I was like, holy crap, I've now hard-coded my income right. to create change. So I was like, what if I hard-coded my book to give back? Now, obviously, I've now joined a mastermind group for self-publishers, just like I did when I launched a podcast. I surround myself, I go to MapCon, you know, right? Like, this is one of those hacks in life. So now the book has become a passion. And because I want to get the book out to tell some of my transformation from the hotshot life and, and share some of the innards of the hotshot world. And then what if that becomes a bestseller and I can donate those proceeds to fallen firefighters. Fantastic. So that's the master plan. <laughs> for, that's fantastic. It's still getting unfolded, but uh, yeah. So the past uh, four months I wrote the book now I'm in editing. I got to figure out how to put it all together because I did not write the book. I voice transcribed the whole book during my business travels. So um, when you export voice transcriptions, they're not really in a proper book format. So No, but that's, that's awesome. So like you've dropped so many nuggets in this conversation, <laughs> right? You've talked about uh, going with your gut. You've talked about not chasing money. You've talked about, you know, being passionate about what you're doing and how things happen when they're supposed to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. All of these things. And I love that. I love that because you're still giving back at the same time and everything's kind of working for you because while not easy and while not traditional, it still has worked for you and made you happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Let me let me verify. You're happy. Yeah, last time I checked. (laughs) (laughs) Because listen, I I still get stressed out. Like my fiance still has to call me on my own crap. All right. It's this is life. Well, you're not perfect. But First of all, let's talk about that word. There should no be no such thing as perfection. Yeah. If life was perfect, it'd be really freaking boring. Like it's not possible. It should not be possible because we need to be making mistakes because that's where we reach our true potential. Like, trust me, crap hit the fan on the fire line. That's life or death, yeah. right? I'm no longer in a life or death situation, but, or am I? Right. I mean, I have to keep taking risks because what if that's, what if that's the next growth potential? Yeah. The the book could flop. I don't know. I would like to believe that the motivation and inspiration that I'm going to put forth in that book could potentially help change lives. Yeah. I don't know yet, but if I don't put it out there after I've had countless people on my podcast tell me like, Oh dude, you should write a book about that. Like, yeah, but I hate writing. <laughs> so I found a way to not write it. Right. By, right. Again, you found Shout out to way. the otter.ai app. I love that app. That's what I used. Um, Which app? Otter.ai. It's an artificial intelligence app. O-T-T-E-R, like the animal. Mm-hmm. And I, because I travel so much for my sales and marketing work, I just 
downloaded the app onto the iPhone. And when I'm driving for a few hours to like from Pennsylvania to New York or something, I just turn it on. It's Bluetooth through the car stereo. I'm just, just like I'm taking a phone call, right? but I, I'm just talking to an app and it's, it's recording everything. Wow. And then I get, I get to my hotel or I get home and I just export the file into a text file and I open it in Microsoft word and there's my chapter. That's awesome. So I would just, so I, I just started recording on Otter when I'm ready to do a chapter. So if I, I figured out mathematically, if I could talk for 10 to 15 minutes, that's at least a thousand word chapter. So I have between 27 and 30,000 words right now. Fantastic. For it. I mean, I might discover a new chapter I got I to gotta write, but I mean. Right, but you're in the process, right? That, yeah. That's that's natural. And that's awesome that you're that you're doing this. And I think you're going to keep doing it. And so I can't wait to see what still there is to unfold. And yeah. so um, before I let you go, though, Scott, I have to ask, as someone who is studiously chase their dream <laughs> what is one action you would recommend people take do today um kick yourself in your ass please so uh, i'm one of these people that have had to realize over the years that you have to be prepared to kick your own ass uh, because it's very easy to pass the buck to somebody else something else that's happening or this happened to me that happened to me sorry ladies and gentlemen this is your life you need to step up and own it. Uh, I've been guilty of that as well. It's very easy to pass blame or pass uh, pass on life's decisions because you think it's it's an outside effect. Yeah, it's not the outside effect. The outside effect might have triggered you to make that next decision, but it's still your decision. We have to own our decisions. If you're going to set a dream, own it. But be prepared. If you set the dream, you've got to now own the actions necessary to get there. So you can't wait for somebody else to kick you in your ass. You have to kick your own ass. Well, there you have it. Folks. A little tough love. <laughs> hey, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the show and just sharing your story. It's been beyond inspirational. And guys, that was Scott Mulvaney. Was that right? Was that right? He is so passionate about chasing your dream. And he had to come on the show. He had to come on the show. So you guys can learn more about Scott and find all the show notes over at amyj21.com slash episode 176. That's episode 176. And a reminder for our Patreon supporters, you guys, starting this year, we are doing small mini bonus video interviews with our guests behind the scenes look as a thank you for all that you do. You can find those videos over on the Patreon page at amyj21.com slash Patreon. Again, thank you guys so much for everything you do. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.